0: Welcome back, it's your boy Six Pack Lappin' At with Paul Marinzan, the Marinara Man. Uh, I'm bringing them back for
1: a yep. second. <laughs> never, never we're back, back we're to back. Stereotype Sundays.
0: Back to Racist Sunday. Yep. Hashtag Racist Sunday. Um, <sighs> and uh, yeah, we, we're coming off a hot one. Last episode, James Key got me keyed up, if I may throw around some cheesy puns.
1: you may but that was a phenomenal
0: episode that was yeah no that was a great episode um that was definitely one of the best we've had this year maybe period if you haven't heard it yet double back correct yourself and listen to it it's worth and then question why you
1: weren't listening to it to begin with
0: and it is definitely worth that 90 minutes um so last episode we're talking about how um went to like that christmas party my girlfriend's staff christmas party phenomenal time you had gone out, I believe, uh, clubbing with your boyfriends. Yeah, I uh, had a phenomenal time. Got sandwiched between a couple of dudes. Um, shot but an I, episode of. Blacked. I kept it classy, though. Shot an episode of Blacked it wasn't as classy. Okay, I used the term <laughs> gentleman loosely. What those guys were doing, they were half your age, but they they had twice the experience. It seemed like it's they. They knew exactly what they, were doing. exactly what they were doing. They, knew, they were. They knew, they knew. were Okay, well we'll leave it there. Yes. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to. We don't want to. We don't, to, we, don't ruin, we don't want to ruin the plot, but, uh, but but
1: let me just say there is a definite plot twist. <laughs> it always, always ends. Those up Those men were Paul not.
0: In, it always ends up in your mouth. Those don't
2: men pretend were not pizza
1: pl- delivery men. Don't, don't, like pretend, I thought.
0: don't pretend there's a twist ending. It always ends up in your mouth. But okay, no matter where it starts, you know it finishes the same. Spoiler alert. Jesus. Spoiler sweat. alert. Paul gobbles it all up. Um, okay, so i uh, <laughs> find myself at a loss word to work from there Yeah, no, but I, so I came home and an
1: episode <laughs> done
0: <laughs> There is no coming back from that. <laughs> no, yes. sir Okay um, So when I came home from uh, It was like around 10.30ish And I got home in time already Half in the bag Because this Christmas party It was um, all drinks on the house And yeah, don't mind if I do Thank you very yep. much so I had plenty of drink, plenty of food. Came back full, half in the bag, and the Tito ortiz chocolate Liddell fight was on. Now, for people who aren't MMA fans, these are guys who started fighting in the 90s all through the 2000s. Around 2000, I think it was 2004 and 2006, they had their two first two fights. They were the top guys in the world at the time, 2004-2006. And um, Chuck Liddell won both fights. Okay, so in the interim, Tito never really fully retired. He had a retirement fight. Six months later, he had another fight. He had a retirement fight again. Six months later, he had another fight. Kept fighting, and he's 43, which isn't... It's older, but for sports, you see that, whether it's NHL, NFL. You see that. It's not mind-boggling, but he's older. Um, But Chuck was 48. He did not stay in the game. He retired... And hadn't fought in eight years, and when he retired, he'd been knocked out, I believe, five consecutive times in a row. And um, here's a funny thing about concussions: it only gets worse. I was gonna say, newsflash: they get worse. Um, you have one, you're more likely to have another. Yep. You have two, three, four, it becomes a. a at one point, Chuck's, uh, you know, you could hit him with a bat, and the guy you could knock him down. His chin, they said, was granite. Near the end, he was getting knocked out by jabs. Like it was just hard to watch. So he retired at 40, having been heavily concussed, hadn't fought in eight years, came out, and um, last night it was Tito, like always getting massacred by Chuck previously, just destroyed Chuck. And had his final, okay, yeah. here's my revenge. I waited till you were pushing half a century old, but I got it. Chuck looked like he was in phenomenal shape, but he was moving like he was underwater. And he got clapped a couple times by shots that wouldn't phase him ordinarily. He went to sleep. It was hard to watch. So everyone's like, should not come out of retirement. Tito never really was. Um, so anyways, the reason why I bring this up, is there's now a lot of online talk about like retirements and uh, when you call it quits and how hard training can get to you. And um, I'm not sure, have you seen or heard of the Ronnie Coleman documentary? I
1: actually wanted to bring this up. I have. Okay. So this is more pertinent
0: to us yes. as powerlifters in terms of what we do lifting weights. And this just just last night it just brought up you know when I watched it like fuck I won't talk about this tomorrow because I watched a documentary
1: earlier in the week. Yeah, I watched it last week actually after mm-hmm. newsflash also being hungover on a Sunday. Wow. That's yeah. Uh, uh, and were the
0: gentlemen already gone, or did you watch it yourself?
1: Well, no, I was. Like, I, was class. Probably... I was classy. I waited till I was alone.
2: <laughs> I was hey fellas,
1: one. make yourself some pancakes and hit the fucking bricks. As, as, any good the host, as any good host would do, I made sure to take care of my guests before. That's right. I bet you did take
0: care of <laughs> Make some pancakes, get some fucking cornflakes, hit the bricks. I got to watch the Ronnie Coleman documentary. Okay? Um, I get up at nine, you get up at eight. Do you understand what I'm saying? By I mean, nine, you're fucking in an Uber. Yeah. To nobody, wants, nobody wants to see. Exactly. This. I don't want, exactly. And so, my neighbors don't want it. Nobody
1: wants
2: it. <laughs> no. No, you'll
0: deal with the neighbors around noon when yeah. they come knocking and be like, Paul, were you accosted last night? Because I heard some weird noises. I thought I heard your voice squealing. I heard, you know, and you said, listen, listen my friend, I paid top dollar for that treatment. And what I do in my apartment on my own time is my own business. Okay. Um, I thought I heard German and you don't speak German, but I'm pretty there sure I heard voices. There was a lot
1: of angry shouting. There was
0: shouting. But there was also, I don't know, it was, it was a mixture. There was okay. also
1: what may have been a farm animal <laughs> noise. We're not really sure why there were sheep. Yeah,
0: you know, it was... I,
1: that goes against some and sort and of... And
0: incredibly defensive. You slam the door shut. Don't don't judge. I, it's none of your business. I got a Ronnie Coleman documentary. But anyways, yep. when you watch Ronnie Coleman, it is... Everyone knows who Ronnie Coleman is. Uh, the guy is arguably the greatest Mr. Olympia of all time. He won it, I believe, eight times. Eight tied times. for the record with Lee Haney. Uh, beat Arnold Schwarzenegger's. I think he had seven. Arnold had seven, yes. Um, and just an absolute. If you ever seen the video, like I remember when I was uh, fuck, this is going back to around two thousand ish,
2: and um,
0: I just coming out of high school watching the video, Ronnie Coleman, The Incredible, and it showed what this guy was doing. Not only is he, you can't even wrap your head around what he looked like. Like I mean, freakishly huge and massive muscularity. Yeah. What he did in the weight room was fr- just mind-boggling. Like, what he's doing with, like, dumbbells for, like, arm curls, flies, shit that we don't do as powerlifters. Yeah. But he was strong in ways
1: that, like... It, oh, there was always a video floating around of him doing, uh, I think it it's Sets at 8 with 200-pound dumbbells.
0: And, and, yeah, just, like, like just can't wrap your head around it. No,
1: it's just a normal day for him.
0: And what he'll do for, like, an arm curl was, like... How the fudge is realistic. Like side raises with weights that like it's, it's just because it's we don't do these movements for power like he does. Um, yeah, he just took it to a whole He was strong in, in just so many multiple ways. It's like nothing was out of reach for him. He was literally that guy who, you know, you, you believed he was capable of almost anything. Yeah. And there's a, a video floating around. He took an 800-pound squat, albeit I think he's rocking a squat suit, knees wrapped, and it was high.
1: It was high. Wasn't your squat suit? I didn't think it was. I
0: think so, but maybe not. I know it's hanging across the chest. He's wearing a singlet then. I don't know why he'd wear a singlet. He used to powerlift. He, did he, he power was a competitive powerlifter. Um, so, anyways, took him for a double high, but the guy still was because I don't think the guy the guy's legs like he. I don't like, think he could hit depth. I swear to God, I don't think. I don't think his hamstrings and legs would allow it. And, and, you know, we say that about big guys like Ray Williams. When we see this man's dimensions, it's almost un- unbelievable. Oh, yeah. No, Ronnie was cartoonish in his dimensions. Like Even beyond, like, a car- cartoons and comic book guys weren't like this. Like, yeah. this is like, yeah, I watch some of his videos in his prime. You have to, picture is fine. Go- Google Ronnie Coleman, 19, like, 2005 or 2000, whatever shit. You can't wrap your head around Yeah, that. no, I think 2003
1: was known as his, like, best year, his prime... Give it a go. Prime and, showing, so it's and, and
0: watch some of those old school documentaries. Just clips up, can't wrap your head around it. And um, so this documentary picks up. Ronnie is in his fifties, still jacked. He's clearly still on sauce, still on whatever the shit. Because yeah. he could, he can't work out very much. He still works out, but it's a sad sight because he went from a man who could do incredible things and look like straight out of a comic book to he walks. Around with two walkers, like you know these. He's, yeah, he uses crutches now. Crutches to even walk um, um, takes oxycotton every day, all day. They ask him what kind of pain are you in? He's like from one to ten. Ten. And they're like every day he yeah. goes. Well, I wake up at three thirty to start my my medication. I wake up in pain, like screaming pain, and um, he could barely walk. Still, Jack, because he's on so much shit. But um, it is rattling. It's literally like, how the fuck did this happen to this guy? Like, you watch it, and you're like, how did you end up... And we're talking, like, so he's around 50. He retired at 40. I was going to say, he didn't retire that long ago, even, really. No, it wasn't... So this is what I'm trying to say is, like, what happened from... Like, he retired, and he was huge. And this when he was 40 was when he was at his physical peak for what he could do. It wasn't like he was... Just hanging on. He said, I was at my top strength hitting all those crazy numbers that people talk about at 40. Like, I got better and better, but then physique-wise, he yeah. was getting too big. And they, it became unesthetic because his, his torso, everything was too big, they said, right? Yeah. And he started having some nagging injuries.
1: There were some other yeah. stuff that started playing into it that he couldn't train as the but same way anymore. But, yeah.
0: The point is, how does he go from... So, and we got to talk about this because I can't wrap my head around. So, the documentary, essentially, they're following him around... And uh, th- th- just to let you know how bad things get, he has so many screws and plates and things like, like his, his bone was fused into each other and just broken down. So much had already been scar tissue and so much plates and screws in his back already and his hips. They're just destroyed to the point where to do this constructive surgery and the whole movie kind of it leads you up to this last final surgery to try to heal him. They can't even go through his back anymore. They have to go through the front of his torso, remove his organs out of the way and then get to the spine, which is incredibly intrusive and very dangerous, but the yeah. only way they can do this. That's how bad it's got. Also mind-blowing that you can actually do that these days. but all well, they could do they could give you it's... like in terms of what yeah. they could do these days, that's a whole other conversation I know off track. but uh, yeah. so the whole time I'm watching this like how the fudge. And the doctor basically said, um, just lifting, yeah, you know, like he just lifted incredible, too heavy. Incredible. People are talk, still talking in that video about his 800 double. Yeah. Um, like all the other bodybuilders who, some of these guys are doing Smith machine squats with not much weight. Yeah. Like Jay Cutler was known. I was about
1: to say, like Jay Cutler was known for using Smith machines. and. Beams. Jay Cutler, who
0: defeated him, took his title from him. And Jay Cutler said, look, in this prime, I couldn't beat him. I you, had to catch him at the end.
1: And you can almost say that Jay Cutler arguably probably the second best bodybuilder of all time. Always coming in second to Ronnie. Like, he competed against... But... To you have, hey, hey,
0: you were drinking last night. some carried over. We're going to pretend Arnold doesn't exist.
1: Well, I mean, Arnold's still... He's not even a bodybuilder. He's a guy. Oh, you're, he's, right. you're right. He's like a pharaoh. He's, exactly. He had
0: ascended past... You're right. You know what? I'm the one who actually insulted You should... Him. By comparing him to mortals? Exactly. That was offside of me. Like, and, uh, I didn't uh, want to call
1: okay. you out on that because you were drinking last night. No,
0: you know, you know <laughs> what? You know what? You're right. Uh, on, on all yeah. of, of all days Sunday, I compared... The
1: holiest of Arnold days. I
0: compared Arnold to these mere mortals, and I apologize to anyone listening. Let's get back on track. So, yeah, um, yeah no, Jay Cutler was known. He came right after her, and And uh, Jay, in the interviews for this documentary, said, head-to-head, prime-to-prime, he beats me. But, um, but I was the guy who just happened to catch him I was the guy I hit my prime as he's come back down perfect time for me and he ended up winning a few times himself yeah. but he actually doing Smith machines and doing all the other shit not a power lifter Ronnie was a power lifter um, Arnold was a power lifter blah 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 and like literally competing not just doing the power lifts we're talking but um, they were saying in the documentary it's because he lifted so heavy a weight but just for a little a little perspective that can't tell the whole story as powerlifters, we know. Excuse me, I see Jezza front squat that for doubles Yeah, excuse me, I see Kelly Brayton, who's a couple hours away, hitting that for reps and going yeah. well beyond that to depth. My friend, not Ronnie Coleman did you know, God bless, half squats. These fellas are hitting depth with that. Excuse me, like. No, exactly. For, guys, talk about okay, guys, strong men. Guys
1: like Ray hitting it for, it, for
0: triples and stuff like that. Like I'll watch like a teenager. Like when Jose Pena was a teenager, he'd be taking that. Yeah. I'll watch guys like Luke Richardson. Like, no, it's not just... So some of the people who had what? watched this documentary, I listen to other podcasts like The Fighter and The Kid and Joe Rogan and um, Brendan Schwab was talking about it. He's an MMA fighter. Yeah. And he was like... That's why I'm scared to powerlift. I'm scared to squat. I mean, you can't hit that kind of weight and not expect. But yes, you can, sir. Yeah. We see it all the time. It doesn't. Well, of course, you you hit 800 for a double. What do you expect? No, man. We know as powerlifters, this happens all the time. And guys don't end up that fucked up. Like, what happened to Ronnie is mind-boggling. Because guys are like, or are we, Their their retort to that would be like, We'll wait until those guys are fifty-five. Yeah,
1: my retort to that would be: Have you heard of a guy named
0: Dave Ricks? Yeah, or or uh, Tony or or Harris, Harris or, or whatever the shit. Yeah. So I'm I I so now, and it's like this is where doctors, they'll say because it's out of the realm. I get it's it's the spine. Your spinal specialist. You ask him why because he lifted that weight, but you haven't done studies. You're still hypothesizing. You didn't take two hundred guys who. Like, you, first study in stats, they told you in university you need 200 people, yep. subjects. You didn't take 200 guys who who, dead, who squatted 800 and then followed them to the 50 and then find out. You didn't do that. No, because there's... <laughs> so I don't give a shit if you're a doctor or a spinal specialist. You didn't do that. You're hypothesizing with absolutely no study behind it. That's not science, even though we're talking you're no, a doctor. It, it's not science. It's an opinion
2: at that point. That's right. It's That's, an
0: opinion. It's a, it's a guess. It's guesswork. Um, so here's what I think. Okay? And this is fucking science.
1: A we'll lap of that hot take.
0: A lap of that hot take. I believe it's the reason why it would happen to Ronnie. If you look at him, um, it, when he was in his early 20s and they showed pictures and whatnot, he, he's a somewhat normal-sized guy. He's not like, like he's, he's jacked because he's lifting weights, but he's, not, he's normal jacked, if that makes sense. Not like yeah. a freakish jack like he ended up. And his skeletal frame is that of the normal jacked fella he got well beyond his physical frame could carry. And if you take a look at videos and pictures, that's not even deniable. And, be, and although he's muscular and he's able to move that weight, his skeletal frame, which, which he couldn't alter, was like, hello, this is far beyond our capabilities. And that was the problem. Whereas the guys we mentioned, Kelly Branton, um, Ray Williams or Luke Richardson, these fellas are just that big. Yeah. Their skeletal frame can house that that uh, amount of
1: weight to carry. And let's face it, again, on the hot take side of things, there's other intangibles such as what Ronnie was on to get himself up to that size. Like, there's always going to be side effects
0: to the
1: decisions mm-hmm. that are made.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's it is interesting, but I. I swear if you want, like look at if you're listening to this it's an amazing documentary. It's a it is. And we, I was saying the one thing I also took away from it,
1: Ronnie might be the happiest guy in the world. No, he feels no he if
0: if you're thinking this is a Debbie Downer one.
1: No. He's positive throughout the entire thing.
0: And not just not just positive despite it all bullshit. No.
1: He literally like I don't know, he, he's just so He just has like such a temperament and mentality of He loves his like he's got,
0: just his, like, he's got just loving of life. Yeah. And he's still this way. Yeah, listen, listen to me. If you're thinking you're hearing this, he's still jacked to shit. Still this way. Yes. Like he I walking around on his crutches. He's permanently hunched over on crutches, and is like a lot. Like he he looks mangled when he's moving. Yeah. He gets in a leg press machine. I don't know how the fuck he gets in a leg press machine, and he's doing all these upper bodies a lot easier. But and the doctors like I told him you got to stop. There's you know I know I'm talking to the wall at that point. This guy's not stopping.
1: Yeah, no, there's certain people that need to be in the gym, and Ronnie's one of them. He's not... Much like our previous guests that we had
0: on. Yeah. Um, Now, Ronnie's, like, obviously, he's not squatting, deadlifting anymore, but... um, Yeah, when you watch it, you know, check it out. As powerlifters, I think the rest of the general public automatically going to say, yeah, "Yeah, this is what happens when you lift heavy like that. But I think for powerlifters who have seen... You know, I'm not saying it's regular to be squatting, but they're... It's not as freakish to us to hear these numbers. When you watch the documentary, you will see absolutely massive men, but the bodybuilders talking about how legendary squatting 800 was and how he did things that's just mind boggling. But when you, you follow King of Lips, if you listen to this podcast, I'm assuming you follow King of Lists Instagram, you see this shit. Like Larry Wheels yeah. and like, like huh. this shit isn't the most nuts. What's waiting for Larry Wheels at the end of this? What's waiting for Ray Williams at the end of this? Is it a 50% rate? Like, are we are we this generation's punch-drunk boxers waiting to be fucked up when we're 50? And we have a generation of guys like punch-drunk boxers or football guys? Like, in 20 years, 20 years ago, football football guys didn't know the CTE and repercussions of a CTE. Or they didn't even say CTE 20 years ago. And um, if they did, it was very few people who knew about it. And now we all know. They're making movies about it. And we all know. In 20 years, are we going to have a generation of guys... Like like a Larry Williams or, or Larry Wheels, or even guys like even bigger. God knows they're only going to get bigger and stronger, which is frightening. That are going to end up far too strong in their frame could ever have handled. And they're like Ronnie Coleman or is Ronnie Coleman an anomaly where he was always going to have degenerative discs? So let me say some.
1: I'll
0: let you go and then. I'm no, gonna I was say. going to say I.
1: Th- I mean personally, I think it's just a one-off situation. I think it's just something that, regardless of what Ronnie did, maybe he sped it up. Yeah. He probably would have been in the same situation at some point in his life.
0: Because there's, there's, there's something I should say also uh, to, to preface this, to where, where I'm going with it, to actually add to what you just said. Um, my grandma had a degenerative disc issue, and by the end, she could barely stand. And, like, she was not an athlete. She was not any of these things. And the doctors just said, her disc just started degenerating. That is what it is. My now, uncle, who by the time he was early 40s, exact same degenerative disc issue... And he took a fall when he was jogging. And, um, like, a fall, we're talking. A 40-year-old man, like, he's not an old man, fell. He's for the rest of his life with a cane. And um, can't bend down, can't any of this. Yeah. Like, worse than Ronnie Coleman. For the rest of his life. It's, it was, it's genetic. And um, I don't know what to do. Like, obviously, I'm a powerlifter, and I've done some crazy shit. And I'm 39, and I'm fucking fine.
1: So it's it's one it's, of these deals where... And down the road you may actually like. Okay, you, you what the fuck? You, <laughs> you gotta be that guy! Look at this face You go, you go. But you can't attribute my point is that you can't just attribute you, it to powerlifting.
0: You go, and you might be that sad case for powerlifting. I mean story.
1: and I've already started to go fund me to pay for your right. your we, new hippo. man.
0: When we do documentary follow-up, whatever happened to uh, Six Pack, King of the Lives. Yeah, it's a sad story. It's a sad story. But he's still weightlifting. God, God bless
1: him. God bless him. He's still got a good temperament to him. It's right. He's still,
0: still happy as shit. I mean, he's dead, but. Yeah. Dead inside, anyways. Yeah. He should he should I be can dead. see it in the eyes. Give me the hand off to heaven. Yeah. Well, if I'm still lifting, that's why Ronnie's still lifting. Yeah. He's with that hand off to heaven. But, um, yeah, man. it's um, There is there's a lot of variables in play, and people jump to conclusions. I think people jump to conclusions, like the doctors who are working with him, and the bodybuilders who were around him from his generation because they didn't see... They haven't seen... This is new to them. No, it's... that strong. And he's freakishly strong, but we've seen. We've seen good and plenty. And we haven't seen that happen to, to our, our legends yet. So, I don't know. Maybe we, if we look up what's happened to Captain Kirk. Kirk Kowalski.
2: Yeah. What's happening
0: to him? What's going on? With, but, like, I look at guys like um, Bill Kasmar. He ain't fucked up like that. No, you guys. A, like you know what? That's
1: one guys. I was actually gonna point to is let's let's look at the strong men. Yeah, because that sport's been around for longer than powerlifting. Has. Yeah, and I they're mean, and they're not fucked. They're up all like still that. they're all still looking pretty healthy. They're also pretty good. Do you know those guys are moving eight hundred
0: for like the they, for they, reps? They can get in sport massive injuries, like like when they're pushing pulling whatever because they have to like pull. Or they have to like lift up, twist, load yeah. onto the back of a truck, whatever. You get injuries during like that. But in terms of, I mean, the late, you're fine and then later in life it all catches up to you type shit. We haven't seen. Like the elderly, it's, it happened in the singular event right there, but not later on. You're like a cripple. We haven't seen that. No. You know? Um, anyways, it's rattling. It'll make you think, man. And it'll make you second guess because everything in the documentary points to because he lifted heavy. And every fucking powerlifter who watches this documentary is going to tell himself, my God, is that true? Tr- and so many people, you know what the one thing that bugs me is? So many
1: people are going to take that as the takeaway. What about the, 100%? That, the fact that because he lifted heavy, now he's on...
0: We're, we're so, and, and your family... He's using
1: he crutches and stuff like that.
0: If your parents watch this documentary, your friends and family watch this documentary, they're going to turn to you oh, and I talk you you about it. I can
1: guarantee you, you that you'll get texts of...
0: You gotta watch this because yes, yeah, it's terrible. You're gonna end up
1: like this, no. And I tell you, the biggest like, takeaway from that movie should be the fact that the man's got absolutely zero regrets about what he's done.
0: Yeah, and, and not only that, like I wish they would have some kind of narrative in terms of because these guys aren't used to seeing how many other people lift like that and didn't end up this mangled. So explain to me that, and could it be a gen, a, you know, a genetic thing just on his part that this was gonna happen? Whether he played football for ten years, and hey. By the way, should we mention, he played football and got a massive back injury when he's young. Yeah. So, if he carried on football, he probably would end up this way. Yeah. If he was a boxer getting hit or a wrestler taking tumbles all the time, or, or w, whether it's professional wrestling, amateur wrestling, like he was going to end up with back problems, I think. I, I'm just guessing. Not just the lifting heavy. It's not just the lifting heavy. And, and that's, that's where, you watch this documentary, please. It's worth it. I'm telling you, it's not going to make you mad because it's anti powerlifting. Uh, it's really good. When they talk about his approach to training and his competitiveness and his rise up the ranks, really good Rocky story. Really good story. Um, it's just that little caveat, there's a takeaway, and you will think about it. And you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll know exactly what I mean when you see it. Yeah. And I wish they just had something else in there to speak on that. And also talking about retirement. And talking about strongman, Eddie I Hall. He went with the segue? Yeah, Eddie Hall yeah. announced his retirement, and this is you know what saying this, not to sound hypocritical, but like strongman does take a toll on your body. I'm not say he's gonna end up like Ronnie Coleman, but everything they do, but just from being that large. Again, man.
1: this is I was, I was about to say is it comes down to just carrying that much weight is gonna take a toll on the
0: body. Yeah, and yes, like not just like Ronnie Coleman, but like strongman is so much worse than powerlifting. In that, like when you are loading the back of vehicles yeah. with like sandbags over and over, huge like, cause it's loading, carrying on your back and walking with on your back, left, right. The, the feet are going up and down, stepping with it. It's so much different than a linear movement with weight on your back. And so if you thought, you know what Ronnie's doing is dangerous, what Eddie Hall and them are doing in terms of the spine, loading one side. Cause once you have weight on your back, you step all loaded onto one foot, all loaded onto the other foot. Bang, bang, with over a thousand pounds in your back. Leg. Think about that. Yeah. And um, throwing it. So, when you're doing the movement, without from weight, log pressing from the ground to the chest to overhead. Like, if there's so much room for error. Um, oh. And then to be 400 some odd pounds on all the gas and everything they do to get that big. And the doctor's like, let alone your skeletal fru- structure and everything, all your muscles, your heart can't take this. Yeah. So, when Eddie Hall says, um, I won the world's strongest man. I got the biggest deadlift of all time, and it's such a celebrated lift. Like, Arnie was there, and it's almost iconic. Everyone remembers when he did that. Yeah, he runs through his... He, exactly, he runs through his whole... You know, five... It's his accomplishments. Five I mean, the just... Strongest Man titles. Two-time European champion. T- it's like... What else does he have to prove? It's it. That's it, bro. You're going to stick around for victory laps at, at, at the risk of injury and the risk of what you're going to do to your body. It makes sense. And the risk of just being... I'm not going to say miserable, but...
1: Actually, I'm just going to say miserable. Yeah like to stay that size. I remember there's the documentary as well. Another amazing one. Which right? is another amazing strongman. Yeah, Strongman.
0: Yeah, and he talks
1: And right? again, he's talking about it and his wife's talking about it. His wife breaks down into tears during yeah. talking about his health.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and he also, um, interesting enough, so he had a boxing match, a charity boxing match previously. He's giving his retirement while sitting in front of a boxing ring. And that's the, the setting he chose to give that video. And previously in that Strongway documentary, he actually says, When I retire, I don't know, maybe I'll do do some boxing or some MMAs, something yep. like that, just for something for fun. And he, he's dropped a sugar ton of weight, has like a six pack, and is like far leaner. Still
1: an absolute giant, but yeah.
0: Far leaner though, and he's sitting in front of a boxing ring like he'd put in some rounds. And I gotta think that wasn't by accident. I'm not saying he's gonna have a career. It's- but he's gonna have a couple of matches. There's no I'm way. There's no does. way it's by accident. It's almost a given. This cat's gonna have a couple of fights. Um, is he gonna pursue like 20 fights in a row, and make a run for it? God knows. It depends what happens in those few fights. But I got. He's that. He's that dude. When you walk around being like, I wanna be the strongest man in history, and you achieve it, like that drive, that personality. He's not the guy who sits on the couch and watches TV.
2: No, exactly. He's not the
0: guy who's gonna work at a desk. He's like, in, the, in the documentary, his wife is crying, saying, please, just be normal. Don't fight after this. Don't do any of that. Just be normal. He's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? He's like, just, she's like, just be normal. Tears in her eyes. And, and what his wife doesn't get, you hooked your boat up to the wrong big ship yeah. if you want this guy to be normal. If you want a normal
1: life, that was not the, the, guy, not the guy you hooked your boat with. I just no. That's it.
0: You're along for the ride. Yeah. I feel like I'm along for the ride. No shit you're married to the strongest man in history yeah you're the little boat he's the big boat and you're trying to pull him into shore and dock him nah that's that's not not how how it's going to work that's not how the story's
1: ever going to work you don't tell
0: he's saying bolt stop running just stop stop being normal but he's not normal sweetheart there is about seven billion people in the world 99.9% 99.9% are Joe 9 to 5's who well, ain't going to do fuck all, but live, <laughs> die with a house, three kids, yeah, Eddie Hall, three plus, 3.5 kids and a dog, whatever that's... Eddie Hall's is not going to be the guy
1: working as... You picked the wrong one. Working word. a ledger, like as an accountant, <laughs> sitting in a cubicle. like
0: You picked the wrong one, sweetheart. That's your yeah. fault. You know, like it's... Uh, you know what you signed up for. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyways, uh, Eddie Hall... He made the announcement, and uh, I'm expecting him to have a couple fights, possibly in Britain. He's, uh, you know, I know he's a major celebrity in Britain. And uh, a nice little segue. We have a British gentleman. I was
1: about to say, and now segue to our
0: guest. I've done this before. It's like it was planned. Uh
2: Aha.
0: So, uh, British sensation, 83 kilo and 74 kilo at times. Yep. Um, just a phenomenal athlete. He's won, uh, has medaled several times at the IPF World Championships, um, both as a junior and in the open. Actually, okay. defeated Brett Gibbs in the bench press for gold. Yes, on did. Brett's best day, not on a shitty day. Brett was never. This is the best day Brett's ever had. The best day any 83 kilo champion has ever had. Yeah, this is when Brett had a 10 times body weight total, and he beat Brett on the bench press. That's quite the caveat, because Brett was forever the 83 kilo bench god. I mean, I would, I would
1: say he still is in ways, but S- still is in we, ways. Right but now,
0: my God, is that ever? Hubbard is the, Hubbard is king. Hubbard is king. So, um, very interested to have Owen on here. Extremely exciting lifter. Um, he so he is probably one of the most fun lifters to watch. Love it. Yeah, yeah. He comes. He comes. He's to the platform, not lacking any any energy when he's coming onto that platform. No sir. So no further ado, we'll bring it on Owen Hubbard. So ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, 83 kilo and sometimes 74 kilo, Owen Hubbard, hails from Wales. And um, Owen, we were just talking about um, how you've, you've really made your mark on the 83 kilo class, um, especially in the, the most recent world championships, but you've been making your mark. I mean, I remember you even as a junior, um, are you, are, correct me if I'm wrong, you won the junior world championships?
3: Yeah, in uh, Finland, uh, twenty fifteen, I think, and de- uh, was my last year as a junior.
0: And defeated Johnny Candido to do so.
3: That was it. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good battle, actually.
0: Yeah. So let's um, let's maybe take it back from from the start. Um, growing up, were you into sports, and when did you start lifting weights?
3: So like. For me, like, uh, I've been powerlifting for about 11 12 years. So, I started powerlifting super early when I was 14 15. Um, so that was sort of my main sport from super young. I, uh, where I come from in like the valleys in South Wales, like, is a super big sort of gym culture. So, everyone goes to the gym to get big, uh, not so much for powerlifting. So, I started training just doing general training, you know, running, whatever. Um, and then I got into powerlifting mainly because I got bored of training. And there was a few guys in my gym who were okay lifters. Did my first competition at 15. Uh, I've always been a good bencher because my first competition I squatted 125, I benched 110, and then deadlifted 145. Oh, wow. So. I've always got those uh, like ratios, um, but yeah. So I started powerlifting early, and then just sort of just run with it from there. I did other little sports. I did a bit of rugby, did a bit of cricket uh, around the same time. But it's always been powerlifting for me.
0: And what's the powerlifting culture like where you're from? Is there like many gyms, or, or sort of like well, I don't even know if there's powerlifting gyms, but is there many clubs? Is it pretty competitive in Wales, or?
3: Uh, not as much I'd probably say it's quite similar to in Wales it's quite similar to like where Brett is um, like you have a couple of very good lifters but you wouldn't say there's like loads of us who are really good but what you do have a lot of, of is massive like gym lifters so you know for me I was 14 walking into a gym and seeing guys benching you know 180, 190 kilos for sets of 10 holy and Yes. The norm. Yeah, like guy, guy, I, um, my first coach, uh, Graham, he was like, uh, you know, early 60s, five foot five, you know, maybe 100 kilos, and his son, who I trained with at the time, just benched 180 and was super proud about it. And he came along and went, oh, uh, God, watch this, comes on cold, lifts it out, holds it on his chest. Looks at him for about four seconds, and then presses it for like three, and then racks it. <laughs> and this guy hasn't this guy hasn't trained for probably well, probably ten years, twenty years, like properly. So, <laughs> so for me, that when I started training, I was just used to guys shifting weights, not so much powerlifting like it is now. But I think that whole idea of just keep putting more on the bar was, is definitely a culture. And now um, I live in Bournemouth, so south of England. Uh, so I've moved from Wales. But so now, where I'm, the way powerlifting's developed now, we've got some good clubs. Like I run a powerlifting club down here now, and it's way different to us when I started powerlifting. You know, uh, you know, when I started powerlifting, my first three years of powerlifting competitions were held in a pub. So, oh,
2: damn! You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: amazing I, thought, I was going to say I want that now
0: well Arnold Schwarzenegger I read his I read both of his autobiographies I call him Old Testament and New Testament but um, he talks about his first Olympic weightlifting was in like a like a beer hall yeah, and it it, a, that's normal for back then Yeah, where yeah. guys would get drunk and chew you on and you're like throwing weights around I'm like damn that'd be like fun <laughs> you know it was so were people drinking and watching you guys lift weights
3: yeah like Lifting starts at 11, bar opens at 11. Um, it's the only way I could get my stepdad to come down because he'd be like, oh, <laughs> he's leaving me a lift down. But bar bar opens. Yeah, <laughs> but by the yeah. time Dennis come along, everyone's on your side, right? Cause yeah,
2: like, no, shit,
3: <laughs> no shit.
0: No <Well>, shit. <laughs> and you were, how old were you at the time?
3: Uh, I did my first competition at 14, so Dude. that was my first one. Um, and then I just how I'm going from
0: there. So how old did you have to be to drink at that time? To go into a bar where you're from? Do they have a, drink- again? Do they have a drinking age at your at, um, in Wales where you have to be a certain age to be at a bar?
3: Ah, yeah, it's, uh, well, it's supposed to be 18, yeah. But I think same as anywhere, you can sort of get in some way not you? But you, you yeah. have sort of the drinking age of like, it's 18 over, say, past, like, 6 p.m., 7 p.m. at night. So before that, it, it was fine, like, competitions in the day, you're allowed to be in there. <laughs> so ah, right.
0: yeah, yeah. Because in Canada are way stricter. But you hear stories, certain parts of the world, like Ireland, they're like,
2: ah,
0: whatever. It doesn't super matter. It's not nearly <laughs> as strict. Whereas Canada, they'll polar, your liquor license, if they think you're serving people age. So you, So this early goings, when you're doing this kind of training, um, did you have, like... How, how methodical were these coaches or these more mentors in terms of like technique, comparable to like today's, what, what we're doing?
3: Yeah, you know, so much different. Like, you know, like my first guy out to, my, my coach, like he just sort of gave me a helping hand. He was just a guy who worked in the gym. Um, and just taught me about sort of powerlifting and general things like don't max out all the time in the gym, but like, He made me do some, like, mental stuff. Like, he was mad into, like, super heavy holds and stuff like that. So, I I was still doing quite a lot of heavy work. But, yeah, it it wasn't until um, I went to university in Bournemouth when uh, I had a coach where uh, there was a little bit more structure to my training. So, like, five years into powerlifting. Um, But then after that, it's just probably got more and more structured. Like... Now, um, you have the strength guys on and they, they're doing my programming at the moment. Um, and like, they're, they're all about the numbers, you know, so they're massive difference than compared to when I started for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. And do you like, so they, they're, they're talking to us about, they like give you the numbers to lift, not even really RPE, right?
3: Uh, yeah. First cycle, um. And actually, I think that's the difference sometimes with like uh, a little bit of a higher lifter, like this cycle round. I have been doing some RPE stuff, um, mainly for the fact that like, um, I work so well at a higher percentage. I recover so well. So doing like singles at like 95 like, percent, I could do 10 singles above 95 percent
2: and not even feel fried. Wow,
3: like, it, It's just wow. That, that intensity makes a big difference for me.
0: And how did you, about along the lines did you develop your, your bench? Because you, you have a huge arch uh, on your bench, and like, how did you come about? Was there somebody who taught you this, or was it the internet? It, it was sort of a
3: bit of everything where like, I was completely flat benched so until I went to uni.
2: Um, so up until 18, I benched like 155
3: completely flat, like not really knowing what I'm doing. Um, and then I started just a small arch, like you know, a tiny just shoulders together, like the standard stuff you teach a beginner. And then I sort of realized, oh, you know, the more of an arch I can get, the less I need to do. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, it wasn't like internet or anything. I just sort of thought, right, it's just trial and error. And just right now, what can I do? Now what can I do? If I can get more upper back shape, it's going to help shorten my range. And then time after time, I just brought my hands wider, tried to get a better shape, worked on flexibility. So it is a long-term process, you know, it took me probably five years to get from nothing to where I am now, I would say.
2: And
0: it's just like working on back mobility. And do you do a lot of, what kind of assistance work do you do to hammer on that bench as well, besides just bench pressing?
3: uh so i used
2: to do quite a lot of so when i first developed my arch um i did a lot of like
3: roller arching so getting right up under my shoulder blades and put a roll uh, like a foam roller under my under my mid back to sort of help with proprioception more than anything oh. i was trying to figure out like where where i because the line with an arch is so much different to a line when you're flat benched. So, so it allows me to feel where it is without worrying about keeping my shape. Mm. Um, hmm. I did a lot of that when I started. Um, I did a lot of yoga, like just trying to get more flexible.
1: No kidding.
3: Uh, and it, yeah, I, did, I did loads of... So I did work on like, I literally was like, right, every single aspect, how can I gain another, you know, half an inch off my range of motion or a little bit more flexibility and then from there i just you know time after time now especially with the strength guys i don't do a huge amount of assistance work compared to what i used to but they're very big into being
0: very specific right and so they're training like i built up that range of motion it's not going to get any better now so it's like, right, let's try and get as good as we can at the main lifts and just go from there. And in terms of your, your progression uh, leading up to, like, the World Juniors, for instance, what was, was the World Juniors in 2015, was that your first World Championships you had been to? It, it was my first RAW World Championships. So I lifted in equipment and kit because when I first started, there wasn't RAW. My RAW didn't exist. Um, and I was never really that good in kit like I was okay Like my best numbers I think
3: I squatted 310 uh, benched 247 and like deadlifted 275 I think um, so I was okay but I was never world standard top three um, and then Raw came along and I was like I saw the results in I think, Russia the first one and I was like, "Man, I'm okay at this. I can do that." And then, um, I actually, I went to South Africa. Um, I tell I, everything I just said is a complete lie because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> uh, I I went to South Africa um, in the year before, and I squatted well. Squatted um, to sixty-two, I think, something like that. I got bronze. Uh, bench one ninety five which was the junior world record at the time, and then I had full body cramp um similar to what I did in Finland, but it was so bad that I physically couldn't deadlift
2: so I was probably on for like third on that comp, but because of full body cramp i it was so bad it tore my v m o oh um
3: yeah, so I, I think I deadlifted 100 kilos <laughs> wow. uh, just to get my my, my, my uh, world record bench. But I couldn't do any more. I, I couldn't get out of body cramp uh, for about
0: 45 minutes, which was horrible. Um, but there, that sucked. Uh, and then the following year was Finland. So I sort of had a point to prove in Finland. In, in- do you think um, the body cramping is that? So do you have to cut a lot of weight? Was that weight cut, or was that just an aggressive arch so you're tensed up in that position, and then that's when it all cramped up on you?
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was. It was like literally in the warm up room. It just went, and I don't know whether it was the altitude or what, because I like, as an eighty three, I don't do crazy weight cuts. Like, I don't do anything from 83 that's going to be a massive weight cut that causes a problem. Like I drop, like, maybe a kilo and a half, two kilos. So it's it's hardly anything. Uh, but I, I wish I knew what it was because I definitely would... Because it happened again the year after oh. in Finland. And uh, I nearly couldn't pull my last deadlift, but I was like, this ain't happening again. So, <laughs> so I sort of had to force myself to... Just get out of there for my last deadlift. So after the after my second deadlift, I dropped it because I cramped, um, which opened the door for Johnny Candito a little bit. Uh, at that point, I just had my coaches in the back like smothering me with deep heat, uh, just putting loads of it on. There was this crazy deep heat from Finland that the guy gave to my coach and went, "Don't put more than one teaspoon on. No more than one teaspoon." And Pete used about a whole bottle on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, like,
0: you don't know what you've done!
3: It was awesome at the time. Maybe, uh, maybe I kind of had, uh, my legs were burning for about three days.
1: Yeah, gonna they're say, like, you got third degree
0: chemical burns going on. That's right. That. They're like, we have to talk to you about your drug test. <laughs> you are off the charts with this <laughs> deep stuff, son. Did you consume this? <laughs> through osmosis. <laughs> Wowzers. While all's well that ends well, you end up taking a gold. In um, that showdown, Candido, because he had such a match. That's probably the peak of his like YouTube craze. There wasn't a lot of people at the time. Like now, everyone's got a YouTube channel. But at the time, man, he was probably the guy. You know, I, I don't think his YouTube channel has shrunk. It's just there's more people with it. But at the time, was there a lot more pressure and hype leading into that showdown? Knowing a he's American, so there's a lot of Americans, and they're very much into the social media and live stream. Uh, tons of viewership there and B, because he, he might have been their biggest star social media-wise? Uh,
3: a little bit, but that's just awesome for me. So, like, uh, I definitely, the more pressure and the more hype there is, the more I perform. Uh, I 100%, like, on a divisional level or a national level, I never feel like I have my best day. Um, I always think I have my best day when either... There is super close competition, or like uh, there's massive hype, or someone's you know chatting shit or something. Like that's when I'm gonna 100% perform as well as I as I would, um, and that's every time I've had a good competition, whether it was Finland, uh, Texas when uh, Brett and um, Hack were going at it, and in, in Calgary this year, I feel like my my best ones because. Uh, of the hype that's around it. And probably I probably should thank you guys for that, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we try, we try. You know what it is though? Like the 83 kilo class, um, I think it's just such a, a average, in terms of the, the man walking the street, average man's gonna fall around that size. You know, you lift some weights, you're probably gonna be around that size, cut a little bit of water. So the thickness of the division, the talent pool you pull from, going to be far greater and because of that you're just inevitably going to have these showdowns and i mean you were in an era my friend of showdowns and um i wanted to talk to you about the the hack uh first of all we'll start from the top We'll, we'll bring it back a little bit hack gibbs um i remember 2016 um at the time i was not only with king of the list but uh also with the doing the ipf social media instagram and like i was posting like the showdowns and shit and um, I remember you in there be like, you guys are sleeping on me. Don't sleep on me. Like, I'm, I'm coming. I'm in the mix. And uh, you made some funny posts where it showed Hack, Gibbs, and then you superimposed yourself in there, too, for the SPB. <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. But um, just, like, beautiful showdowns. And um, I remember for the first time while doing the commentary, every other session would just let in, and I just, you know, I call it like I see it. But for the for eighty-three kilo in Texas, the first time ever, they said six pack, the, the hype on this was big, and I had been on the IPF side pushing and the King of Lip side pushing, and I was telling everyone who listened in the IPF media team, this is the this is the showdown. Okay? The 83 kilo is the one you guys gotta feature, trust me. And um, I've been saying it all week. So when it came down to it, and they seen is standing room only. And for anyone who wasn't there, like you could tell something special was gonna happen. This wasn't you could tell it was different, okay? And um, the camera guys came to me and said, Do you want to do a lead in where we have the camera on you and you talk us through in the lead in, like a pre fight for the big fight, for the big, you know? <sighs> and I said, Absolutely, let's do it. And we did it. <laughs> we did it. The ratings were through the roof. Uh, that video has since been recut up by so many different YouTube channels and gotten so many millions of views. The whole 83-kilo division for that t- Texas, that now that has become protocol, they said. They do a lead-in, six-pack, stand-up, give us the run-in, what we're about to watch, whatever, all because of that day, um, all because of that 83-kilo showdown. Can you tell us a little bit about walking into Texas when that hype was on? And, I, like, I'm not joking, man. There was something different in the room. Like, the electricity, I remember saying in the mic, you could feel it. Could you feel it backstage? And what was that like for you? Because you are Mr. Excitement. That had to Man, bring you to
3: another de- de- level. De- definitely. It was like, it, it, it was so awesome to be a part of. Because, like, you, backstage, obviously, I, I wasn't as quite up there with Brent and, uh, and, and John. But, you know, you could tell that those guys were so, like, neck and neck with each other. And even though you know, they, they might give off that. Hype, where but you could tell that every once in a while, if what one person missed a lift or one thing even went wrong with it, like me and Brett were warming up at um, the the same time on the same uh, platform, and like I, I've lifted with Brett for a while, and you don't, you can tell sometimes if someone's a little bit like hyped up more Mm -hmm. than usual. Um, But it's so funny because like those guys are there doing that, and I think. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, a loose cannon in the warm-up room. So I'm there with my headphones on, just like coming along myself, chatting along. And about four or five times, I would like bump into these guys because I I got my head down at their pace in the room as well. And it, it's just it's just a bunch of animals all, all <laughs> like circling the room together.
2: <laughs> Alpha males, yeah. But, uh, oh yeah, it's really good to be in. A really good like, and that that's definitely what the sport sport needs. And uh I just I what I like I about the eighty threes at
3: the moment as well is you know you got you don't have one guy like dominating all three. So even if like I'm a massive bencher, you've got some massive pullers in there, you've got some massive so sort of every single lift has something to add,
2: even if it's not from the main two guys. Mm. Uh so yeah, we'll definitely have one of that for sure. Like for it like uh if everyone turns up, come Sweden, the, the, you know, me, Brett, Russ, uh, so, Nate, Nathan Tannis squad yeah.
3: at 305 today, yep. um, the Australian fella. So, you know, there's going to be, I say this every year, but one year, all of us going to hit like, top lifts, and top five will talking over 800. And that will happen. Uh, it's just everyone needs to have
0: the best day they can have. Yeah. and that, that situation is only gonna th- make that thrive, right? Yeah, I mean it's, um, I remember that day, uh, you, so I could see, see what you're saying where when it comes to the big showdowns, you get amped up for it, because another thing I remember in Texas, you hit that platform, I have two, two some of my favorite lifters, you and Screamer, because the type of intensity you brought to that platform, uh, man, you, it was hard not to be a fan of yours, I think that day I dubbed you, oh, here comes Mr. Excitement. Dude, it was, like, it it was already a buzz in the room. But, um, I mean, you were so in the fight. You know, you were going to lay it all on the line. And instantly, uh, I became a fan, I think, a lot. Like, anyone who tuned in because of the Hat Gibbs hype immediately left also talking about Owen Howard. And that's, like, that's that's the the, the drama (laughs) you brought to it. So, after 2016... Um, And it was a massive showdown, and everybody's, it's almost like a hangover. It was so high, nothing else is going to live up. Moving into 2017, um, you briefly dropped, it it was, 2017 was weird. Because that world championship in Belarus, (laughs) Hack was gone. You dropped down to 74, and Gibbs didn't win. And it was, and we were below 800. And it was like,
1: it was, it it, was, it was. Like well, it was just a massive, almost not letdown, but it was.
0: Like, well, somebody, I would, say, I would way, say letdown,
1: I guess. Like, like the, there was the, like somebody let all the air out of a balloon.
0: It was, it was really, it was tangible. Like, yeah. So the twenty sixteen, like cast, I would say, you three. You know it the, the, was was so so exciting and you guys are such colorful characters like you're from all different parts of the world first off we got an american we got a guy from way out in in the uh, oceania region yeah. and then we got yourself from europe and it was um you know different backgrounds different like you're so larger in life when you hit the platform brett is a very calm cool collect like the guy whoever meets him and then you got the american hack very He's, he's like not over the top, but he's very funny. He's got, he's a little bit the prankster, jokester guy who's like, you know, that personality. And um, everyone from different parts of the world, Europeans had your back, whatever. It was such a, a beautiful, you know, setup. 2017, I didn't actually call it, but um, like in terms of the commentary, but uh, with you gone, hat gone, and then Gibbs was not on par. He was sick, missing lifts, and losing. Yeah. And, and I remember you had saying, um, at the time, I thought you might have said, maybe I'm misquoting you, that you might even stay at 74. Those 83 kilo guys are too big, too strong, I'm not sure, and then you came back with a fu- oh, Thank God you did
1: 2018,
0: didn't. yeah. And, um, and it was like you're reinvigorated. Like, you're right back into it in the 2018 Worlds. So, before we get to 2018 Worlds, you know, and, and it was like, I want to talk about that because that was a hell of a show. Um... Let's talk about 2017 so your decision to cut to 74 and how do you think the 83s were playing out
3: yeah so like uh there's a few reasons i cut to 74 but the main reason was uh i sort of just sort of i was was a little bit lost in powerlifting I i think everyone gets that like if you've been in the sport for ages you get a little bit I don't know what to do now Uh, I've been there for like uh, 10 years at the time and I was getting a little bit bored of powerlifting in general so I had a couple of options, I was like do I take a year out or whatever and I saw in 2016 uh, the guy who won the 74s was what, just 7'10 I think, something like that, 7'20 uh, the Belarusian, and I was like oh that's that's not far away from what I could do because again from, as an 83 like I never used to up until this year uh, I never used to walk out. I used to sit at like 81 kilos uh, and I never used to be a heavy 83 so I thought oh, I'll do a little bit of a drop uh, dropped a little bit I'm, my car went really well like mm. super well like I dropped from uh, 81, 82 to 77 on like 2,800 calories, oh, wow. uh, 3,000 calories a day.
0: Wow, so okay. It was, yeah, so you're it, still It small. wasn't like
3: it was hard. Yeah. And then I did a comp at the Welsh uh, to qualify as a 74, totaled 700, and I was like, sweet. Like, everything,
2: this is going really well. Um, first comp as a 74, I thought, you yeah, know, you'll only get better from here. Um, but then
3: uh, I just sort of rebounded a little bit, like body weight wise. Um, and then coming down for Belarus was super hard. Like, my body weight would just not go anywhere. Um, and I ended up being on probably like 2,300, 2,200 to make 78, 79. So I find it really hard the second time around. Um, so, in hindsight, realistically, if I knew everything I know now, I probably would have went, right, let's drop to 78, and then rebuild up, let's take a year out, drop to 78, then rebuild up, because the good part of it is that I sit at, you know, 86 now, and 85, 86, with a lot more muscle mass than I was when I was 2016, uh, so I had time to recomp and rebuild back up, mm. but... Yeah, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, right? Like it, it's taught me a lot about, you know, discipline, water cuts, what to do, what how to rehydrate, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it it was probably one of those things where the the lack of results in the seventy fours in Texas brought me in
2: and then all of a sudden, you know, Cagill, Taylor Ampwood, they'll come
3: out and talk like seven fifty and I'm like, This is
2: bullshit. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, so yeah so <laughs> yeah, after that just decided to go back up like so that that experiment's over
0: yeah and then um, in did you watch the 83's and were you shocked how that all how Lulin came out of nowhere controversial figure obviously had uh, been suspended previously uh, failing a doping test and um, coming back uh, defeating Brett when Brett was um, sub 800 I mean no one would have predicted that but Brett I seen him backstage earlier that week. He was definitely sick. He was off. He told me, "I don't even know if I'm gonna lift." I'm like, "Brett, you're not gonna lift." I don't even know if you got to be 100% to win this. You know, like a lot of people weren't there. Um, and I mean, were, were you shocked how it all unfolded? What were you thinking when you saw that happen?
3: Uh, yeah, he sort of like uh, I was actually commentating because you were lifting on ah, the you, platform.
0: You had you filled in for me, no kidding. How ironic.
3: Yeah, I took <laughs> your job. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't get the uh, the long term contract.
0: But... <laughs> <laughs> I, I came yeah. back. I'm like, what yeah, the yeah, fuck? Um, He's I've never been in there. It. It runs
1: off, runs off the stage. Yeah, I it's pulled the pre prima donna. You replaced me.
0: That's
3: right.
2: That's right.
3: And then once uh i actually sort of i saw brett wasn't having the best day and like because i've been in lifting for a long time i've known that Kazakh for quite a while uh but um I, I i called it after the first deadlift i was like watch him because i know he's a massive puller um and yeah he just sort of comes out of nowhere and like brett you know i think if brett was on his best day he would have beat him um it's a shame he couldn't make it to Uh, Calgary, but hopefully he'll be in Sweden. So then I'll be another guy for, you know, um, to add to the mix. But yeah, it was just one of those days where his his deadlift is so big, like you have no idea what's going to happen. So it's fun to watch, but it was a weird atmosphere in the room compared to the year before. Because, you know, everyone thought Brett was going to win, so no one was really like paying attention. Yeah. Until the, the final two lifts, basically.
0: <laughs> it's it's weird that you said that because even backstage, um, I remember someone saying to me. I remember just being like, because I again I was because I was lifting, I wasn't super paying attention to what's going on with Brett. But I was like, so I I asked one of someone close to Brett. I'm like, so where's he at? Like, where how how far ahead is he? Where where are we looking at here? And they're like, man, Brett, Brett might lose. And I was like. Mm. It, that wasn't. That was. It was like you telling me it was. It like this is in June. It's like you telling me it's fucking snowing outside. I was like, yeah. what? Like, what, what are you? What are you talking about? And then they told me the situation, and I'm like, how the shit is this happening? And then yeah, when Brett lost, it was just rattling. It was uh, I, the whole twenty seventeen experience for the eighty threes was off. I think like, you know it wasn't. It sure as heck wasn't twenty sixteen. So. um after seeing that, and then kind of the opposite, right? So you saw 2016, ah, 74 kilo, there's an opening for me. I bet you commentating 83s, you're thinking, ah, 83 kilo, we go again. Like this is, you know, <laughs> Just jumping back and forth. Allow me to reintroduce myself. Yes. But clearly, um, you've made some big progress because you came into the 2018 Worlds, I don't know if people realize how big a numbers you're going to put up. Even if Ulan had showed up, whatever the shit, like your numbers, you, you clearly put on some size. What were some of the differences there between, um, you know, 2016, 2017, and then ultimately probably your strongest showing 2018 Worlds? Uh, yeah, like, uh, obviously 17 was a bit an anomaly because, uh, you know, I, I didn't put the best.
3: I, I just didn't have the best prep mainly because uh, I was sort of tied into that. I have to be a 74, so I, was, I didn't really have a choice of oh, I, the weight isn't moving, the weight isn't moving. I didn't have a choice but the drop, so I just wasn't fueled well enough for 2017. Yeah. Um, to to uh, The following year, 2018, definitely like um, I actually programmed myself towards that, um, which was a little bit of a difference because the first time I would have done that for, you know, like, since I was 17, 18, maybe, you know. Uh, but all I did was literally, it was, right, this is your top set today. Uh, you've got to do, say, five reps on it in as little sets as possible. And I have this ability to grind through things massively. So when I have a mindset of doing things, and I remember doing, uh, like at one, at one point I did like 270 for a triple when my best was 272, which wow. makes no sense.
2: Yeah, no, the, math no.
3: Doesn't work <laughs> the math doesn't work
0: on that, yeah. Uh,
3: so um, yeah, it, it was just more of this, uh, it felt like a mindset change for me more than anything, leading into 18, and I was like, right, this is what I need, I need to do, this is what I need to build on. And I think when you become a top, top
2: lifter, yeah, you need people to help you as well. Like, uh, like
3: I do thoroughly believe I need a coach. But for that time, not having a coach is perfect because I could be very intuitive with my training. So it's one of those things I could just turn up and be Alright, right, i got to do six at 260. Let's see how many sets I can do this in. And just that one top set then do some drop-off work. Uh, so that, that was a real nice, I suppose it's just breath of fresh air. I enjoyed training again, which was probably most of where my, my gains came from, was I enjoyed training. Um, and then the the platform probably helped because, you know, where you are, it's a bit of a better environment. Everyone, you've got good lift outs. Everyone on the podiums and all the platform speaks English, which helps when, you've got a massive technical bench like I've got.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
3: I can lose five kilos off my bench from a poor spotter just because if I lose, you know, lose over a little bit of scap or whatever. So I think just the environment itself, but also my mindset changed a lot going into 2018. And it's been the same this cycle. I got the Europeans on Friday, so in five days' time. Um, for the British, I felt my mindset was a bit relaxed which was October I didn't lift as well as I wanted to but uh, for this cycle I felt the same thing it's just that mindset switch and I'm, I'm complete trust in you know Alfred and Jason who are coaching me the strength guys and hitting numbers now the last four weeks I'm like it's a different thought for me because you I'm used to going right, I gotta do five reps right let's see how heavy I can do a five reps where it's that shift of mindset to be Oh, like I did, I did five fives on two forty-five. Oh, that's that's actually way better than I've ever done before. Instead of going, oh, that's twenty kilos below my best oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> for yeah, one
3: yeah, set, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, so yeah, that that mindset change helped a lot.
0: Is it? You know, you kind of touched up on this after doing it for as long as, over a decade, like you have, and you're you're a young man, but already a decade deep, grizzly veteran. Um, you're gonna have lapses in terms of like getting up for certain competitions, like you said. You know, cutting the seventy-four when you're not eating much, and you're you know you're gonna walk in there not enjoying it. You're gonna go through periods where you don't enjoy it. People talk about motivation, but far, but the motivation only goes so far when you're talking over ten years. You're gonna have lulls. You know, you're gonna have lulls, and that's where like certain competitions, you're not eating. The calories aren't there. The energy's not there, and you're like. I'm not enjoying this. I almost have a "let's get it over with" attitude near the end. If you, if it's if it feels miserable, whereas move up to 83, now you eat like a champ. You feel good. Hit the gym. And you're like, Fuck, I feel. You know, I feel. I feel good again. I feel motivated. And then change of the pace again. The British Championships, no slouch, but Europeans is even a step up more. Now are you starting to feel like you need to be a big game hunter to get yourself up?
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I I agree with that, and I think that's a good thing that I try and think about. Is that, right that realistically, the two times I've got to perform this year is the Europeans and then the Wills. You know, anything in between that, uh, British or any divisionals I do, I don't need to be a hundred percent, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. As long as I bring my A game on those on those uh, extra days, and that's sort of what we're working towards now is you know Europeans put down a good marker uh, you know hit a number that you know hopefully will get me goals in the Europeans and then from there that's a marker to be the you know, right us build on that for, for Worlds and be in the mix with you know, I'm, I'm not if Brett has a good day and has the day he had at Calgary I'm not going to beat him and I accept that and that's okay at the moment but if Brett misses two lifts I want to be in the position to be yeah. Oh right, I could actually, I could actually uh, pit, pit these guys, and I think that's where I am at the moment. Like, I'm under no illusions
0: that I'm top dog right now, but it, it's the, it's usually the guys who hit nine for nine, right, and hit the PBs that win, not the guys who are the strongest. Just unfortunate last year, that brand was both of those. But <laughs> yeah. well, You know, that's sports in a nutshell. That's why you can't go off with just nominations, previous totals. Sports in general our history is written all the upsets you don't got you just got to be close enough and if he has he or she has a bad day that's it yeah, very that's early. it why why are we talking about Ulan right now that's very, why very I mean, rarely it's the best team that wins and th- that's the truth the best team all season long doesn't always win the playoffs no matter what sport it is on any given day and you know yourself look at your own totals over the past you know, several years up down different days are you dealing? What do you deal with uh, in terms of programming, in terms of injuries, in terms of food intake, in terms of the cut? Are you sick? Shit happens. You just got to get close enough that when that window of opportunity is there, you're the guy who doesn't miss. You know, and that's, you said it beautifully right there. That's where some people, if you walk in there, they, they misinterpret. You know, if you say what you said, it's different than walking in there with a defeated attitude. No, no, a defeated attitude would be I'm coming in third and that's what it is. Yeah. What you're saying is, I understand the fact that he's the favorite, but I also understand the fact that I am close enough, I stay in the pocket and play my game, I can defeat him. Yeah. I just got to be, I just got to hang in there. There's a huge difference. Well, as you said, nine for nine
1: in PBs usually wins.
0: Who, um, you know, I, at the uh, Calgary World Championships, I remember coming around back, seeing you in the warm-up room, and um, there was some shake-up, I think Ulan visa issues or some shit like that. And um, mm. I remember talking to you and you being like, I don't think these guys, they're not looking my way, but I'm, I'm bringing a pack. I remember you being <laughs> confident and you being like, let's, I was like, okay, let's see. So I went out there and uh, I, I just, before we talk about the Europeans a little bit, and we can talk about who you might be facing at the Europeans for a bit of a preview, but that Calgary performance, man, especially, so Brett, who is the 83 kilo bench guard, we'd always dubbed him. I mean, he held that bench world record. Even if he lost to Hack in that showdown, he had that bench world record and he's the bench guy, right? Um, it's, It's weird because in Calgary, had the day of his life. The day that we've never seen any 83 kilo guy do. The first 83 kilo lifter ever to get 10 times body weight. And damned if he didn't walk away second when it comes to bench. Like it was weird, you know what I mean? It's like, I remember the interview with the IPF. I'm like, Brett, it's gotta be bittersweet because you're always the bench guy. You know you like like when you lost the hack, you still took golden bench, got the world record bench, and then I go, but today of all days when it's like your greatest day we've ever seen any 83 kilo guy, you fucking lost the gold the golden bench. You know it was yeah. weird. Did you what were you like walking in there hitting that platform and um, did you know you're gonna have the day you had and you'd be walking out there with a golden bench world record and be out benching Gibbs?
3: Yeah, like, uh, training went really well. Like, in training, I'd hit, uh, 220 a couple of times. Um, so I knew, and I was actually on, I was aiming for like 217 to 220, uh, if I didn't have that battle with Brett. Um, but when I saw him, I was like, right, we'll just play it safe because I know that I'm not going to be challenging for first overall. Um, so let's just get the bench gold. Let's try and get a gold overall. Uh, so I was pretty confident going into it, and uh, when he was coming off on his uh, third bench, he benched 214, and he came off, and uh, I was like, oh, "Let's bench Brett, but uh, watch this." <laughs> <laughs> just uh, he, he's good to have a little bit of battle with Brett. It's the only thing I can have, I can have on him. But uh, yeah, it, it went really well. Like you know, I just. The only the only thing I was disappointed with was I think if I hit what I was capable of on the day on all three, I probably could have got second, because um, I didn't expect Russ to have the day that he had. I don't think he had his best day, mm-hmm. so I was sort of I think my original goals were you know 2, 220, 2.90 um i felt good enough for those but it ended up being right a squat what we need to that might get me a bronze if the algerian was going to miss his third attempt uh sorry his second attempt but he got it you know the bench was to get gold overall and then the deadlift was to close out third mm. so it happened to be that when i put all three together i was conservative overall yeah um so I'm really—that's why I'm super pumped for Euros now because I can sort of try and go out there and try and have the day I was supposed to have in Calgary.
0: That's a perfect segue because I just wanted to lead into that. But before we—right before we go a segue into that—I like how you, it, it is true where the Worlds isn't necessarily always the case where you hit personal best, and some people don't realize it's because um, if you risk a personal best, but it's not enough to bump you up a ranking. You might want to protect your ranking because there's a bigger picture. And walking away with, you know, you could shoot for personal best, miss, because it's 50 50, and now you've just jeopardized a bronze at Worlds, a gold on the bench, and this, like, a fabulous day you <laughs> had. And it's hard to articulate that to people who haven't been in that situation, they're used to the local circuit. Like, why didn't she just go for PBs? Why didn't she like, no, my, my friend? A, a medalist at the world or a gold medal outbenching Brett Gibbs and the whole nine, like, these are things way more important. Than way more important, yeah, 100%. And do you still have that, is, is that bench still a world record?
3: Yeah, yeah, still a world is record it? at the
0: moment. And you know Brett and everyone's trying to, you know, is, it's Brett, is there anyone else in the world besides Brett who might be gunning for it? Is it just not
3: really. Uh, I think no. I think it's just me and Brett over over that like sort of two ten mark. Um, yeah. In in all three anyway, in a, in a three lift. Um, but yeah, my goal, what I gotta try and do is just maybe give it a little bit more uh, European, so that we're not me and Brett aren't in that battle next year. I can just jump ahead. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> it's nice when you get to call the first shot too. That's right, shot's five. Yeah. So, so let's,
0: let's take a look at these Europeans because they're going to be a nice little sneak peek. Um, who are we looking at that are your main opposition in 83 kilo for Europeans? Because Europe's pretty stacked.
3: Yeah, so there's, um, I would say Alexi Kuzmin is the main guy. He came fifth at Worlds, um, but he didn't have a good day at Worlds. He only hit about, I think, probably five for nine. Um, and he holds the European record at I think it's seven ninety.
0: So, he he's you know, won. He won the World Championships previously as well. Pretty sure. I think twenty thirteen or I think twenty thirteen. Yes, I think he won the Russia,
3: uh, the one in Russia. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's him, um, and then there's a few other guys. Uh, there's a couple of Swedish guys who are big squatters. They're nominated like. Uh, around the 285, 290 mark, I think. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's just, like like you, like you said earlier, though, nominations don't really mean anything. It's just going in there, executing, and, you know, I'm always going to be on the back foot when it comes to deadlifts because my deadlift is terrible compared to everyone else. So I'm always going to be pulling first. I'm never going to be pulling for the win. So, you know, my, my goal is to hit six for six and then just put what I need on, so it pushes it too far for everyone else. Mm. And hopefully I can do that, but we'll see.
0: And do you have any, um, like, projected goals you're looking for to hit, if not Europeans, sometimes along the way to the Worlds? what are, are you thinking, because what was your total at the World Championships? 770-something? 770 so,
1: 770,
0: 777. 777. So you're getting, are you, how close are we to looking at, do you think, towards an 800-kilo total?
3: Uh, I think, but um, for, for Sweden, if I didn't hit 800, I
0: would be disappointed. Oh wow! Like, wow. That's yeah. That's, that's definitely like that's that is my my
2: that's my 12-month goal from from you
3: know June last year. I like and the way I stack those numbers up, I'm like that should be there. My my two goals for if everything training goes, uh, is far ahead, but
2: my two goals at Calgary were. Right in a year's time,
3: I'm gonna total over eight hundred. I'm gonna bench five hundred pounds, and that they were my two goals when I set myself at Calgary
2: for Sweden. Mm. So, and uh, we're on track at the moment. So you know, we got another seven months or whatever.
3: Yeah,
0: playing Yeah. So fingers crossed that they, those are my goals for for them. Um, and
3: anything on top of that, you know, I, you know, I will definitely say if I have to total. Seven ninety five for
0: third, I will. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> that's just it. Yeah, yeah. You
0: don't jeopardize the, the medals. And um, are we looking at, do you think, because I, I think the only individuals who've ever hit 800, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's just Russell and Brett, right? Well, and Hack. And Hack, but Hack's gone. I mean, yeah. sorry, uh, currently that are yes. in world. Is there anyone else that I'm not thinking of? Because it seems like 83 kilo. There's, I just posted an 18-year-old kid. Who squatted like six thirty? It's ridiculous right now. Like it's and the kid's eighteen. Like it's nobody is safe. Um, I mean, I, and Tanis, I, I think he's he was seven seven two and a half. I think that's where you got that number from. Yes, so that, That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the same. And um, so he's uh, he's yeah, knocking, seven,
1: he's knocking on that door as well. Gets...
0: Right there. Like by the time Worlds rolls around, I like you said, we could see a podium of eight hundred kilo totals. And we could even see off-podium 800 kilo yeah. totals, for all we know. Like, it's that thick and that deep. And with the U.S., they have the ability sometimes to send two lifters, a weight class. Um, they haven't, you know, said their world team yet. But Sean Noriega has hit 785 and yeah. conceivably could add 15 kilo by then. What the shit are we looking at here? This is like World War III. This is, yeah. what is this? This is, uh, yeah, you, I came in 10th, I got an 805 total. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's a, it's a very deep division. I gotta think this is probably the, the most stacked division for the world oh, looking yeah. ahead. 105s maybe again, but. I think it's gonna, no, I think eighty three is the most stacked this year. Yeah, coming up. Are you, like, do you, do you scan social media and watch these guys and, or are you like, man, this is too. I gotta mind my own shit because any given day, <laughs> it can get in your own head. And any given day, God knows what's going to happen. And we didn't even talk about Oolah, yeah. he could probably get 800.
3: Yeah, he could, like... I, I look at these guys and it's like, yeah, it, it's good to watch them and it just motivates you a little bit. Like, quite a lot of the times I look at him like, man, I'm lucky I can bench because <laughs> I can't do the other two. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, and you, you see these guys and there's, there's a few others as well. There's, um, there's an 8'3 junior, I don't remember in the... It, the Norwegian guy who pulled that massive pull, yeah. um, he pulled like something like three thirty or something at Calgary. Uh, yeah. He's squatting. Yeah. In he, he, I think he broke the senior world record as a as a junior, maybe something like that, or nearly got it. But there's loads of guys coming up as well. Like you said, that that New Zealand guy who squatted two ninety. So um, I think the the main thing is is having someone who can sort of like. Do all three, and I think we've got loads of guys in the eight threes at the moment who can do two out of the, two out of the three. Yeah, and can't maybe can't bench or maybe can't deadlift or whatever. And I think until I think it will be super close, and like it could be that my deadlift could fly up in the next six months, or you know, uh, Thomas could get twenty kilos in his bench, and all of a sudden he's totally eight hundred. Yeah, everyone is on the cusp of it. Um. But yeah, I think, and even guys like uh, Ulan and Kuzmin, uh, there's, there's guys like that who just need a good day. And who, who, I think people who have been in the sport who have come from a lifting, who have been in the sport for 10, 11, 12 years, you just need a good
2: day where the newer guys tend to shoot up and then they'll do nothing for ages. And then they might go away, reevaluate
3: some technique stuff, get a little bit more clinical to being like calm standard. And then they'll shoot up again yeah. where you see a guy, guys like myself, guys like Kuzmin would be, you look at them, you look at their totals It's like oh, you have put nothing on your total in 18 months. And then all of a sudden you execute and you get it all perfect. And you put 40 kilos on your total. And then all of a sudden you're an 800 total. So I think there's a few of those lying around, um, that, will sort of come out of the woodwork. and It'll be interesting to see it, the Europeans as well, because I think there will be a few guys
0: in there who, uh, even I don't really know about. I'm just going off nominations, but yeah. there's names in there that I haven't competed against who are in the top five. So they could be coming out
3: of nowhere, you know?
0: And, and what do you attribute that to? Like, is it just the, the Wiley veterans who can dig deep on the day of and, and, and bring it and just rise to the occasion? and a little, maybe perhaps a little bit of a mixture of what you're saying earlier where you can't for, for 10 years 15 years of lifting You're not always gonna be on and sometimes like there's so many variables when it comes to peaking It's such a fine art whether it's like uh, the, the water cut whether it's the calorie drop um, And you felt both whether it's the day up like Brett's been sick or whatever or like just wrong peaking Some guys leave it in the gym, but on any given day. You just gotta be close enough um, and it's something about those wily veterans who could just pull it out, and they're always dangerous. Yeah.
3: I, I think it's like experience, right? The more you do something, the more you know how you're going to react to something. And like, yeah. I know after probably squatting like 120 if I'm going to have a good day or not in the warm-up room. I just know how I feel, and I think it's one of those things where most of the time it's, just homing that in. Every time you do it, it's just chip away, chip away. And that's the best thing I've learned in my training and my competition peaks recently is, like, just chip away. Don't try and put seven and a half kilos on a, on a squat when you probably could on your 100% day. Yeah. Just take five or just take two and a half and just leave it in there. And then just that. that's personally what sits probably... 2016 to now is what I attributed a lot of me, my 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 gains to is literally just I put just put two and a half on. Don't don't try and deadlift 300 again. You can't do it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> just put two, Just put 292 on, or just put 287 on. You know, like it's and it's doing that is that what the the veterans as
3: you say are good at is just like you look at uh, Suge Fedorenko. He puts like 0.5 on his total every year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he, he could do more. You see him in the gym. You ever look at his Instagram? He's like benching like one ninety for five, and then he goes on and does one ninety one in the, in in comp.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's it's yeah. a bit of maturity and knowing, like you said, if you show up on any given day and you're like, mm, this, you're in the warm up room, you're like, ah, this might not be that day. I think when you're a little less mature as a lifter. You get emotionally attached to certain numbers, and you're just like, I've told myself this whole prep. I've done the numbers. I hit a fucking triple that should equal this 300. You know, you start doing this math. It doesn't make sense. It has to happen. It's today. And um, it's like, listen to your body, man. Like, grasp what's going on. Make the adjustments, because it's better to bring back the third attempt a little and build towards the total, then throw it away because you're going to go for that number. You promised yourself you would, sure, you go for the number, third attempt's gone, and now you're moving forward with only a second attempt towards your total. And that just messes it every like the whole total up, where it's just like, all right, reevaluate, stay in the pocket, build your total. If you feel better by deads, you know, pull for a position if you can. But like that's the mature decisions where you start thinking analytically. And like you said, you've been around the block. You're like, I know my body. I know what's going on right now. I've seen it. You know, this is this is, this is a tough cut or whatever the situation might be. But um, yeah, for sure. And that's something that the young lifters coming up might not have yet. And you're a Wiley veteran. Not uh, kind of, yeah. How old are you now?
3: Uh, 26.
0: 26? <laughs> oh, Wiley veteran, veteran at 26. A Wiley veteran at 26. But I mean, when you start in your teens, uh, that's kind of what it is. So what are some of your goals then? So an 800 kilo total is, is on the horizon. Um, moving forward that world bench. Is there a whole lot more, because you've been in the game so long, you know, is there? do you find yourself, even though you're only 26, and, and it's crazy to talk to some guy who's 26, but it feels like you've been around forever, and you've already accomplished so much. What are some of the goals, like long-term, you want to accomplish before you think you might check out? Or do you see yourself, like for the for you, this is a lifestyle, and you're not checking
3: out, yeah. I, I see, I'm nowhere near like uh, I've always uh wanted ever since I was 80, 83 when I, when I went to 83s when they changed the weight class when I was like 18, I was uh, 75 before that when it was uh, the old weight classes. Um,
2: ever since then, I was like, I'd like to total 10 times body weight, um, and that was.
3: In, in equipment at the time, that was like right, because 10, 10 times body weight crazy to think 10 times body weight equipment was world class at the time. And guys like Brex doing it, raw now. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but <laughs> so, and I, I did that, i I done 10 times body weight in kit, and then now I'm like, as an 83, I'd like to do 10 times body weight, I'd like to bench 500 pounds, um, and obviously be world champion. Like, I, I think, I uh, I, I don't think I would ever stop competing until I am. Uh, and that's sort of my my main goal. Uh, I'll, like My problem is as well, is I have to learn how to deadlift if I ever want to go to 93s. Because, you know, the, the, the body shape difference as a 93 is so different. And, you know, I can't be a 93 pulling 290 kilos when this guy's pulling... 340, 350, it just doesn't work, mm. so um, I think uh, I would go up as well, that is something I like to do, but like, I can barely
2: fill out 83 at the moment, I, I sort of sit, if I eat as much as I want, I can get to probably 88, but there's no point
3: in me, and that's just me being a pig. <laughs> uh,
2: <gonna> say, I will <laughs> say, so, if, yeah. if,
0: if I can eat, if it's a challenge how big I could get, my friend, I'm not going to like life. No one's gonna be proud of me, but I can get heavy. <laughs> I I'll be a hundred kilo real quick. It's we, not we've seen it. Yeah, it's not it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Have you ever thought about doing bench-only worlds? Uh, so
3: I've thought about it, but like to me, I this is probably controversial, but I feel powerlifting isn't powerlifting without squat and, be- squat and deadlift mm. because it's so easy to bench, like I know bench only is awesome for where, whether you get maybe a little bit older and you can't squat anymore or whatever but I think the the nine lifts is it's such uh, it's like chess, it's like a tactic it's not just I's oh, I just go to squat as much so I want, bench as much as I can go mad, it's right, do a little bit of that, stay in the pocket
2: bench that, squat that and it, it becomes more of a sport where I feel bench only, like it's you're just benching. It, it's so you've just got to go and bench as much as you can. Yeah, very
3: hard. that that same tactical.
0: I know side what you mean. I mean, in terms of like like commentating all the worlds, um, because of three three events, it is so like you might give a little ground on squat, allow your the, the opponents to be extending themselves. You hold back a little bit. You you move forward on bench and like I know what you mean with the tactics. Pick up a chip here. He picked up a chip on squat. He picked up a chip no. on bench and like um then come to the deadlift. You're jockeying around and like changing your temp selection and openers and uh one hundred percent you see tactics coming to play. Where if it's bench only, that's it. Go down there and max out.
2: That's
3: it. Yeah. That's all there is. Like yeah. And even little things like I know that if I. Absolutely grind a squat to my max effort. I'm probably going to to take two and a half to five off my bench. Yeah. Because uh, I got so much thoracic mobility. Ah, oh, my lower back's tightening up a little bit. My hips are tight. I can't get in my shape. So even little bits like that of just take two and a half off what I know I can do because that's going to gain me five on my bench. Mm. And that, like, that's the fun of powerlifting. Yeah. and That's why I love, like doing powerlifting, but also sort of
0: coaching guys on the day because that's the fun part. It's not, oh, yeah, you can probably do this, but let's try and get you as much as you can on the day, not what you can think you can do on um, in the gym. Yeah, like, and that's, that's another veteran approach. Where everyone thinks you max out on all three. Of course. Well, yeah, my, my best squat in the gym was this, so that's what we're going to, for my third attempt. It's like, no, yeah. well, my friend, we're building a total. So, if we stay like the difference between the amount of gas you empty out the tank for an all out, maxed out squat, if you just take two and a half kilo off, you can bounce back so much quicker. It's only two and a half kilo off the total. Bounce back so much quicker to the next event, to the next event. Just staying slightly under 100%. It's amazing how quickly yeah. you keep coming back. But when you fucking gas it out and you're like, oh, the whole crowd's like, oh my God. Coming back from that is very difficult. Some guys can, but you can only do it once or twice. It's not one of those things where all three final attempts are going to be that. And it's the maturity knowing, like, just keep it a hair under. Just give us a little little bit of wiggle room so you're not totally smoked after. And then some of these young guys are like, Shit, what happened to my dad? What happened to your dad? Dude, you left it all (laughs) up. You
1: you (laughs) maxed right the hell out. You left it when he grabbed a three-squat
0: attack. Yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) Three-hour day, for God's sake. Like, yeah, you can't stay high for three hours. Um, Listen, it's already been uh, an hour of 35 right now. Um, Before we let you go, though, A, how can people a Well, A, thank you for coming on the show. Muchly appreciated. Wanted to get you on here for a long time. Um, And love to have you back. Uh, maybe leading up to the world championships, but how can people follow you if they want to follow you on social media or contact you um, in terms of coaching? Who yeah, do so coaching? Uh, just follow me.
3: Uh, oh, up well, is my uh, Instagram name, and just uh, just Google me, I actually don't. I don't have any space for coaching at the moment with clients because uh, I do a lot of hands-on work as well, so I don't have any online time. But if people just find my name, find my website, and just I can just
2: sort of if you wanna be in touch, I can just put you on a waiting list, I suppose. Well. Yeah. But, uh, but thanks thanks for having me on anyway. Uh, it's been uh yeah, it's been awesome. But we'll definitely get 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 it back on. We're gonna get like all the eighty threes together, see if we can manage that
3: and
0: just Jim,
1: have a massive. I like, I didn't like that
0: idea. One hundred percent! Let's see what happens, because we've had um, yeah we had who else like, well we'll see who's, who pops out of the freaking woodwork yeah but we've had Russell on a couple times Brett yourself at least you three and whoever the hell else pops up that'd be amazing dude that's an amazing idea thank you Do, <laughs> is there any sponsors you want to thank before we let you go
3: uh, not really just thanks to um, uh, you know, my my coaches Alfred and Jason like they've they've since Worlds they've done really well and prepping me so I'm super excited to Get together with that. Like those guys know what they're doing with volume, uh, you know, selection, all that sort of stuff. But far from those guys, uh, no, I'm all good.
0: Okay, like, my friend. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, good luck at Europeans. Um, we're definitely gonna be watching. We'll repost and um, talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you. That's a hell of an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell it's shit. a little bit. Um, the one thing will be. We're talking three different time zones uh at Russell, the, at the, yeah oh, yes if we only keep it to those three if someone else if there might be something like man it's so stacked uh, like we'll, we'll take a little nominations but we gotta talk to, first off we gotta have they have to speak english um if someone's from so obviously so Brett's out because he speaks kiwi kiwi um but uh honestly brett is a different day So the
2: other time zone. yeah
0: he's literally when i i remember when we booked him uh, I was like, okay, so how about Sunday? He's like, my Sunday or your Sunday? I was like, what the fuck? That's right.
1: Yeah, Brett makes it a little bit difficult, but...
0: And then and then even Owen, five hours ahead, and then I believe Russell, if I'm not mistaken, is East Coast. Uh, now I'm starting to second guess this, but I think he is. Is, is he not? You no, I'm starting to
1: second. I wanted
0: to say East Coast, but yeah. no, I'm, I'll double check. He's east, I think he is East Coast. So, um, three different time zones with these three guys, but... My God, you have three guys from all over the world at the same time. That's a phenomenal showdown, right? That's, that's, a, that's a hell of a show. That's, right there. yeah. And that's probably gonna be one of the biggest shows we're gonna have. Because we could literally, no joke, have up to five guys, all 800 plus.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: sounds like a weekend. <laughs> that's a whole nother show, sir. That's, uh... that's a whole another Skype show. I want to talk to you about some of these contacts that seem to be popping up in our
1: list accounts, <laughs> by the way we we've uh, talked that, about that is Randy Cook's doing yeah okay. I think he's busy with work he's busy with work already right. we've talked about work we've
0: talked about pleasure if it happens on there and there's money involved I need to wet my beak <laughs> yeah okay, I need a little bit of a cut we'll talk about this off air that's fair but um, yeah good interview by Owen uh, hell of a guy hell of a competitor guy, and a, yeah and right in the mix man and um, mm-hmm. we're glad unique characters like that uh, that's what makes the sport more entertaining to watch as you said god i love watching that guy compete yeah can do yeah the guys that can fly high for three hours yeah yeah he can do it he's think, a man um because he, he's like screamer when he brings it to the platform chill out back yeah bring it to the platform chill out back but he's a bit of a madman out back even you say yeah earphones in running around head down uh but uh, he's been in the thick of things when he talks about the showdowns he's been involved yeah and he does rise some guys falter fall behind he rises to the occasion hits the platform and breaks world records and takes gold medals and blah 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 but um anyways hope you guys like it once again share it give us high ratings tell your friends post it up in your stories we will screen grab and repost it because we want everybody to know guys like owen guys like james uh key and all these guys deserve the exposure Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the support. Until next time, six-pack lapidat and Paul Maranza and underscore lifts.
2: Peace.